Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grown Men Watch This Shit. Yes, Grown Men Watch This Shit. Uh, we are officially up to episode trace. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. and uh, They say three is the magic number, Chris. They do. I mean, everything good comes in threes, right? Everything bad yes, comes in threes? I don't know. It's, I think actually three is pretty intrinsic in the world, and they both line up for good and bad. But in this case, third episode of our show, that's a good thing. Mm. Also, quite a thing in wrestling, everything's in threes. You know, you've got the three count. You've got yep. the uh, three drops of the arm when the dude's going to sleep. Uh, yep. All of the spots with the taking a punch and bump and all that kind of stuff on the comebacks, it's all in threes, so... Yeah, yeah, the group three three count, the greatest wrestling stable oh, of all times. Indeed, with the the greatest uh, dancing mascot of all time, with uh, Tank Abbott. Oh yes, <laughs> I man, I love me some WCW back then. And when he pulled a knife, I forget he pulled a knife on some guy, but <laughs> during the match, he has a knife to some guy's throat on the outside. I'm like, awesome. uh, man, I know, <laughs> it's just fantastic that wrestling goes there. I love that Not shit nowadays. so much. Not nowadays. Oh, I don't feel like nearly enough people have enough love for Three Count and their sweet epic feud with the the, the young dragons or the Jung dragons. I never actually it, got to work the out. The translation is young. Yes, yes, young. Yeah. I think they made jokes about that to like kind of overplay how they don't understand Japanese culture or whatever. So no worries. No, no fault on you for that one. Mm. I Honestly, that's my jam. WCW. I That whole era. Even people constantly clown on how bad it was and like but if you sat through it the gems of how awful it was it could be quite fucking hilarious oh i will at all times like way more enjoy that than like the monotony of um what's on monday nights these days i, I way prefer a car crash rather than just boring nothingness agreed 100 percent. oh yeah all right well let's we we have a lot to get to today. So normally, you know, we just continue this this awesome banter throughout. But I mean, today is a, a <laughs> big day. We uh, should should we? I mean, I guess we've already done the announcement. If you have read the text that's going to be accompanying this this podcast, however, this is this is going to be our, our debut interview for the show. What a day, my yes, friend! Yes, sir. Uh, you know, they come quick, these uh, these new goals that we're setting. We've made one show, two shows, now first interview on the third show. Hmm. We're progressing quite well, quite I, well. Um, I initially thought that we'd uh, we'd run a bit further before the first interview, but uh, these things happen, and, and uh, I try to do a thing in life where I don't say no to anything. So, Understood. Know? It's a trial by fire, sir. And exactly. <laughs> The, the people will see that we're bringing in your native countryman, Jonah Rock, to the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, of all the people that we could you know, bring on as the first guest, I'm, I'm really happy that we're able to have uh, both a, an Australian, um, but also someone that I have a little bit of back backstory with myself, as we'll, um, we'll get into when we get this interview going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so cool, and, and obviously everyone knows just how much Jonah is blowing up right now. Um, he's, like, in the main event picture of PWG right now. That is insane for, like, if you said an Australian was going to do that. 
in uh, you know even a, a year or two ago. It's crazy. Yeah, world. his 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 win loss record in PWG. I was taking a look is pretty impressive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, especially with him working multiple shows with or multiple shows with multiple days of those shows. So it gets quite taxing in the number of matches. But this guy has managed to. I think he has a winning record overall. So that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll get more into that in the, the actual chat. But, yeah, everyone, hope you're uh, equally excited um, to, to get that bad boy going. But before that, we wanted to, you know, uh, cover a little bit of the, the current news. There's so much news this week. Um, yes, yes. You know, it's really uh, annoying to me when we, we have this great interview <laughs> line up and then all this bloody news happens. Ugh. Well. We can always touch base on the really, really important things, and I feel there's been some monumental and really, for some people, life-changing news that has taken place uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple of days. Oh, yeah. Um, let's jump into the biggest thing that's occurred probably, and I think everyone's really, really excited about this, is mm-hmm. the potential re- return to the wrestling of David Arquette. That is the biggest news of the day. Oh, easily. Oh, easily. Challenge went out on Twitter Mr. Arquette was challenged by one human tornado uh, for a match at the gathering of the Juggalos, nonetheless. And so Mr. Great. Arquette, he has, he's accepted by saying, and I quote, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And how, Such how, a definitive. <laughs> how great does that tie into our chat about the awesomeness of late 90s WCW? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Recently, uh, not to toot my own horn, I was lucky enough to be followed on the Twitter by one David Orkett. Oh, that uh, is a moment, sir. I hope yeah, you reveled in it appropriately. Well, we're planning the new uh, Ready to Rumble feature that'll be coming out soon, so look forward to that. But no, but man, David Arquette, I saw he was back into training and stuff. That's really intrigued me. And Oh, yeah. Uh, then I see that he's actually taking it super serious, where he actually w- wants to get back into the wrestling ring, not just training and stuff. So... Yeah, what do you think about did, this, man? He did this like announcement uh, before the Humor Tornado thing even happened, right? That he was like yes, wanting sir. to come back and and uh, you know avenge his maybe negative uh, perception that that some wrestling fans have of him. Definitely not me. I think he's one of the legends of our sport. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Were you at um, that uh, uh, Wrestling Revolver Pancakes and Pile Drivers show over WrestleMania weekend by any chance? I was I was not unfortunately. Was, oh, was he in attendance? He was the the best thing. Oh. So I'm I'm there at the show and it was a really fun show. Of all of the shows, just from start to finish, this was probably the most like just everything was fun. Uh, at the the awesome Sugar Mill venue, um, attendance was real good too. I was there because my buddy uh, Davis, Mark Davis, as we've spoken about previously, um, was working match uh tagging against tanahashi and juice robinson i mean what the hell um craziness uh but then davis texts me from the back he's like hey man guess who's here and it's david arquette i'm like what the fuck and then no joke at the end of the show um after there davis um wait no he worked uh tanahashi on the rev pro show so this yes. was actually, he was in a, a crazy ladder match main event on this show, which was awesome, by the way. But um, yeah, then after the main event, David Arquette comes out and like says that next year at uh, WrestleMania weekend, he's going to be wrestling and he challenges like everyone and does this awesome um, promo burial of WWE for 
for um, walking his prestigious WCW world title through the mud in the preceding decade. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. So great. I got so much love for David Arquette, hey? That was that would be such a great event, especially because uh, we've I think we talked about before that particular pancakes and pile drivers event. They banned the use of syrup, which just is possibly one of the greatest stories I've ever heard about a wrestling event. <laughs> one that's based around pancakes and waffles and the syrup is banned. Yeah, wow. apparently we have some some piece of shit fans last year that ruined it for everybody. So we got <laughs> we got um pancakes we even got a pile driver at the end of the the main event uh the the besties of the world um of aaw fame uh the, the actual finish of the ladder match involved a double pile driver because they don't give a fuck um, show was over yeah what, what's gonna happen uh but yeah then the whole thing was like no bloody maple syrup how do you have pancakes without maple syrup i even texted davis i was like hey hey buddy can you get me that that worker maple syrup this special apparently the wrestlers got to have maple syrup fans did not and uh i i did not sadly i missed out very upset ah. well anyway all that and david arquette i yeah, i'm excited wild. to see how this turns out it's Dude. it's one of those things where i honestly when i heard that he donated the I think all of his income from WCW uh, to, I believe, was it Benoit's family or somebody? Like, some, something to that. He definitely... Yeah, definitely a charitable cause. Like, all yeah, of it was so. given it back. Maybe it was that um, that thing that Dawn Marie was doing a while back and, and trying to raise money for, like, some of the, the veteran wrestlers. Or it was one of those kind of yeah. things where it's, like, basically giving back somebody to the industry. Yeah. 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 Speculation. It's all well, good. Yeah, so that's well, awesome. Welcome back, David. Mm-hmm. Congrats, sir. Yeah, yeah. For me too. Uh, just, just quietly, Ready to Rumble's got to be one of the greatest wrestling films in history. I mean, it's straight up just like the wrestler with Mickey Rourke and Ready to Rumble, like head to head. Foreign objects. <laughs> Everyone. Knows. All right. Well, the other really big news that we have to speak of is uh, actually really tremendous that it fell in the favor of these two gentlemen. The CM Punk and Colt Cabana case has fallen in their favor. All charges dropped. They'll be paying nothing, which if anything went bad for CM Punk, of course, it's going to be detrimental. Had anything happened in that way for Colt Cabana, that would have been, I mean, crippling. The guy, I I know he has a good amount of money, but millions of dollars, that's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have thought that if, if things came down to it, um, Punk probably would have, taking care of a lot of that for Colt, but I mean, regardless, like it is so much better the way it has ended up. Justice has prevailed. I honestly was so happy when I read that verdict. I mean, I was reading um, throughout all of the the jury um, or or the reports from WrestleZone. They actually had really comprehensive reporting of it, which was great to see. Um, Yeah, Nick Houseman? Yeah, yeah, he did an awesome job. Um, Almost like felt like you were actually there um mm. really in depth and yeah it was just interesting to see the way that each of the the, the defense and, and that were were taking um their approach to the the lawsuit and everything and how the different depositions uh went down i mean i guess the, the main thing that came out pretty early on was the fact that realistically there were no damages whatsoever to dr amart i mean 
seriously. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like, honestly, this guy is not being, he's not treating the general public. He works for the WWE. He's still employed with the WWE. Yeah. I believe uh, he's no, making significantly more money with WWE now than he was then. So, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, it's not like this guy is memes online are not, no one is, who's looking for a, let's say he leaves the WWE. No one who's looking for the doctor is jumping online and saying, you know what? I, I see memes about pro wrestling. I don't think I should touch this doctor here. Yeah. No, no one, no one is looking for medical. Especially, especially from the opinion of, did you hear the, the, the name of the, um, Mike Littoris. Mike Littoris. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Or Mike Littoris. I don't know. Either way. It's so good. And apparently like the, the jury actually like popped when that was <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. And the, the DA, I mean, um, Punk's defense in the closing argument made a little like snide joke about how important the, the, um, yeah, the opinion <laughs> of the Mike Latoris of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I was like, who, who said you guys could be so damn funny? Yeah. That nah, was so good. Was quite my personal part of the whole case was, uh, even though, you know, it was pretty, speculated that and it's been said before that the cm and cm punk stood for chick magnet despite punk's constant there were quite jokery. a few out there you know we had chick magnet we had cookie monster, cookie monster. that's that was, my favorite yeah there were a few different ones my favorite was chicago C, made C montgomery i enjoyed that oh, yeah, yeah yes, Mr. Burns thing. But, but yeah, yeah he had to go on record and let everyone know that it, it in fact stands for chick magnet what a hilarious thing to have to say on the stand yeah so good um yeah, it's just hilarious. Um, sometimes the the justice system uh, is is entertaining between a lot of boringness and banality. Now a lot of speculation is they some people feel that Mister Amon or Amon or whatever was kind of pressured or maybe directed into filing this lawsuit from his employers. Well, I mean, it's pretty any validity. I I definitely think so. I mean, at the very least, it's obvious it was never denied at all that they were bankrolling the whole thing um and yeah a lot of little bits and pieces like from like from the outside perspective the whole thing of bringing um cult into into the um the case was like bullshit and and clearly uh, an attempt to get to punk and to like ruin these guys friendship like it's such a shitty move um and like the 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 jury apparently at the end of the lawsuit uh, came up or a bunch of the members of the jury came up to Colt and and told him like they they couldn't even understand why he was involved in the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. And you can see these two guys like just being put the, through the ringer. Colt constantly an upbeat guy, but you could definitely tell this this six days wearing this suit and dealing with this bullshit was trying on the guy. And even like uh, this whole thing's been going on for like four years. Like how yeah, yeah. has that got to wear on you to have four years of, of knowing that this thing is there and could ruin your life? Do you see like at the end of it, the, the, the um, damages that they were seeking was like $4 million, like a dollar for every listen of the podcast. Fucking so stupid. Um, but yeah, yeah just it was awesome to see that the the little guy won in a lot of these cases and a lot of the other cases against um, WWE in, in history where there's been a lot of legitimate gripes like the, the whole independent contractor thing and, and a lot of other stuff. Uh, it's always been um, WWE coming out on top because of some sort of weird bullshit. Um, I mean, it's so good to see on this one that the the little guys won and, and they were right in the end, you know. Justice prevailed. Logic has prevailed. 
Yeah, so great. And um, yeah, it, it's crazy. And again, is this like a weird coincidence or is this uh, part of the reason behind those um, really strange extensions that were happening before the court case? Because apparently it was meant to go to court uh, weeks before it did. Uh, but there was some weird stuff that, that dragged it out um, that it ends up happening during fight week for Punk when he's needing to prepare for his fight that's going to happen this Saturday. Um, and he's having to go through like one of the most high pressure, just mentally fucked times of his life during training. Like, that sucks. I I, I mean, I really hope that he, you know, things go well for him. He, he said he was having to um train twice each day in addition to the court time that he was in yeah yeah going there before and afterwards that's just ridiculous yeah i could not even imagine that but anyway great stuff. well best of luck to him in the fight for real uh i will always be a cm punk fan i don't care that he left the wwe to you know live his own life a lot of people quit jobs and go do their own thing oh how dare someone pursue their dreams you know oh ridiculous huh we oh he owes us so much now get the fuck out of here <laughs> ah, jesus christ no nah, i'm, I'm but just yeah. real happy for the dude he seems happy uh he seems positive going into the fight regardless of whatever way it goes you know he's uh doing his own thing and it's just great to see um there's a really great interview uh that he just did with ariel hawani that just dropped uh, highly recommend everybody check it out um, to see where he's at. Just a real open, honest chat. Um, you know, him and, and Ariel have a little bit of history. And, um, yeah, really, really nice little moment on, on how he's feeling one day out of that trial uh, with the fight coming up in the next couple of days. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Well, speaking of open and honest, one other mm-hmm. thing we wanted to talk about was uh, someone who was very open and honest recently with a, their documentary Mauro Ronaldo with the bipolar rock and roller. Uh, I sat down with my lady friend and had her watch this. She had no idea what we were getting into, and she was really moved. And I actually was – I'm kind of a sap, so it's not hard for me to admit. I was driven to tears at a point during this thing. Yeah, same. Um, same, actually. What a moving thing. It, Moro, was, uh, it was great. It was um, – I, I was really looking forward to this. Um, from like the first time I saw the trailer and just how moving that seemed and then uh, hearing some of the other stuff of, um, of Moro uh, talking about what was going to be covered. Um, again, he actually had a, a, another really good interview with um, Ariel Helwani on the MMA Hour that um, I highly recommend checking out. Just some really raw, honest moments about their backstory. Apparently, you know, with his um, bipolar uh, time, some of those bad times, he actually blocked Ariel on, on Twitter. And um, they actually sort of got into into that a little bit and, and how sometimes like just the world doesn't make sense when you're in that that crazy everything's bad mode. I mean, I can I can relate yeah. to that myself. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through a different um, depression and and um, and those kind of issues in the, the past. So I can definitely understand that that headspace. And just with this whole documentary and everything, it's it's just great um to to see more people talking about it and you know for us to be talking about it for example like this is stuff that people need to talk about um more on a a daily basis and and remove the stigma really um than than what it has 
I, I personally do deal with depression and sometimes manic behavior. Um, people can maybe see on Twitter how manic I can be at sometimes as far as being up, up, up a lot of times. And but when I get really depressed, man, it gets it gets dark. And it's a lot of people don't understand it. They like kind of like buck up, man. Just, you know, you can get around this stuff. You're always normally happy, but that's not always the case. And sometimes you see it coming a mile away and there's nothing you could do to avoid it and eat as much as you try. And I, I think... Morrow, being such a high-profile guy, uh, sharing his story just shows how someone who, from our point of view, looking out without knowing all this stuff, we would assume this, that Moro Ronaldo is incredibly upbeat, positive. He has everything going for him, but none of those things really matter when it's your actual brain that's working against you. And what really impressed me was clearly how long and how how long ago they began the process of recording the documentary and how much change went through that entire process is the teaser trailer, if you if you haven't watched the whole thing, the teaser trailer is just the smallest glimpse to how much is in this documentary and all his friends. and mm. It's like so know, confronting, I, really. Like yes. and a lot of that like, stuff. Here it is. How brave has it got to be to, to put yourself out there when you're like a public figure like Moro? Um, like it doesn't get much more public a figure than a, a broadcaster for both uh, WWE um, and and like some of Showtime's uh, highest profile uh, boxing and and um, MMA stuff. Like it, it's he he called um, Floyd Mayweather uh, versus Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd against Connor. Like and and he's putting himself out there to this amount. And like you can see right in there in the trailer. Like there's stuff to where most people uh, wouldn't want their closest friends to to see some of this footage, uh, let alone the world. Like I just yeah. Imagine him sitting back and like watching the dailies of like, especially that one of the bigger parts or something they show a while is uh, when Morrow's in his room, no shirt on. It's probably a hotel room or something, and just dealing with like looking for stuff and just just manicking out. It's so intense. And just imagine him watching that later on and like saying, still agreeing, like, yeah, we have to we have to put this out here. It's it's very important. And then coming to grips with that, like personally, like I wouldn't want to do that. I, I that's incredibly brave, man. Yeah, oh, for real. And like his whole reason for wanting to do this, and, and the, the dude that actually did the documentary spoke about this on the show with Ariel. He had times where he wanted to, he was saying, All right, um, dude, I'm, I'm your friend. Do you really want to put this out there? And then, if anything, Moro was championing going more out there on, on like the, you know, way uh, over the top stuff that it would, you know, really potentially paint him in a not so great light to some people where, you know, some people might watch this, but oh, that guy's just an asshole they completely yeah. missed the point you know um but yeah it was just so interesting to see um just going so out there all for the sake of um encouraging more people to, to talk about this stuff and encouraging a dialogue and like we're saying removing that stigma um you know he, he spoke a lot as well about um you know his experience in a lot of the the um medical um environments hospitals and stuff like that during his, his real um low moments and and how a lot of that treatment maybe wasn't the best um but there are a lot of places out there these days um that that are so much better um there was one that he was talking about on um on ariel's uh show called uh, clubhouse um which is uh or fountain house uh i think clubhouse is a, a thing within it but just a, a real open environment where people can can talk about this stuff get get treatment but not feel like they're you know in an insane asylum 
kind of deal. And, yeah. and I think the more that we can have that kind of stuff, that the better it's going to be for for everybody. You know, mental health is a, a serious deal, um, but it shouldn't be talked about like people are crazy. And, that, and not all treatment methods are the same for everyone. Like Morrow was speaking of like first initially, like a lot of pills and medication was fed down his throat that kind of even screwed him up further. And I had experience with that when I first started trying to get treatments for my anxiety and my depression. They put me on different kinds of medication like Wellbutrin that like honestly, it just kind of almost made me suicidal at times and didn't help out at all. And I did self-medicate at times. Of course, I do smoke marijuana. I That's pretty obvious. Uh, and I think that helps me out quite a bit, helps dealing with the anxiety. And as Morrow said, people say, but doesn't marijuana make you more anxious or paranoid and stuff? Like, no, not if you're using it in the in a way to actually treat something that's going on personally. Like, you know yourself and your body. And as Morrow has shown, this treatment works for some. It's, it's hmm. not something... Like the marijuana itself, yeah, let's not stigmatize that either, you know, it's it can be a valid source of medical treatment for a myriad of, of illnesses, especially mental illnesses like depression or bipolar. For real, I mean, not not to say like that, that some, um, you know, actual pharma medical things are, are good for people, but the whole point is that like uh, people are, are different and, and what's good for one person isn't necessarily good for another. So again, um, these different alternative treatments shouldn't be stigmatized, whether it's, it's a bit of pot, which again, I, I find a, a great um, treatment for, for my own from time to time um, to, uh, you know, a lot of your, your natural um type of uh treatment options uh there's a, a lot of really good um uh natural sort of supplement type of things that'll really uh, potentially take the edge off I, I mean i found that that combination for myself really works well so yeah i just encourage uh, people to not not think of the the pharmacy as their their only um viable option really yeah agreed 100 percent and cool. uh, now I have a life goal to hopefully I wouldn't take park in a little partake in a little bowl with Mauro Ronaldo at some point. That'd be very cool. <laughs> that would I've, be very I've smoked cool. with some of my some of my favorite legends. You know, I got to partake with Conan. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> got to put Mauro on the list there, friend. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so great. And one of the other things that I really wanted to mention um, before we move on to this interview with Jonah, I think he's just about ready to go. Um, was in the uh, interview with Ariel. Um, Moro mentioned how much of a, a big thing and, and how sad it was for him um, when Larry Sweeney passed away uh, because of these exact issues that we're talking about because of bipolar. Um, and uh, he, he took his own life uh, during one of those those moments. And, and I mean... Talk about independent wrestling. Like, Larry Sweeney should have been our era's Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, dude had so much talent. Um, and I, I, like, honestly, one of the best uh, best wrestling personalities I've ever seen. And, um, yeah, like, he, it's such a sad ending. I mean, you can go forever in, in wrestling. You know, Chris Canyon is a, another great example of that. Um, that the way this, this shouldn't happen. Um, and I guess sometimes we, we feel like we don't have anyone to talk to and, or it's just, that's the only out. But honestly, like if anything, if you can take anything away from this documentary, it's that, uh, and, and Morris says it himself, you know, this bipolar can be a, a life sentence, a life sentence, but it, sh it doesn't necessarily need to be a death sentence. 
Very true. And the, uh, and I think one of the biggest things is a lot of us guys, unfortunately, are just unwilling to just admit maybe when we're going through a little bit of troubled time and we deal with that all internally and in our own head. And honestly, the people that love you won't aren't going to judge you. They want to hear, especially if it means losing you between you and talking to you. Uh, there's no one that's going to want to make that choice. They're going to always have you open up and express anything that's going on inside you and so feel free to do so it's i've been open and honest on twitter and it, honestly before it was hard to like tell people that as a guy man dude i am fucking depressed like i i want to cry i want to fucking scream and i have no idea why it's hard to talk to it if you're open and honest with the people you care about I, it's it's a release it can be cathartic it, it's not necessarily a solution but it's it's better than bottling all that shit up you know what i mean chris for real, for real. I've, I've never um, felt bad about uh, opening yourself up and, and talking to people about this. It, it's always a positive thing. And if if it ever was going to be a negative thing, you don't want that person in your life anyway. So come on. Fuck yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. No, that was, that was really good. It felt good to good to talk about, man. I'm, I'm glad we're able to, to connect over um, like such a, an important thing. Yeah, I'm giving you an, uh, a long hug intercontinental from the other side of the globe, Fred. <laughs> oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah, everybody make sure to make sure to check this documentary out, whether you yourself have these kind of issues or not. It'll, it'll be a great way to, to get an insight into um, maybe that, that friend or that co-worker or whatever that, that um, you know, sometimes can be a bit moody and you can be like, well, okay, I can start to understand it. And for at the very least, watch this documentary for early Mauro Ronaldo as a manager for wrestlers. Holy shit. Oh, man. The guy was incredible. Jim Cornette Jr., hey? Shit. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea he had that inside him. I, Matt Farmer knows him. So Farmer told, told me about it back in the day. But, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, man. So good. So good. I you know, almost want to see him as a, a manager today now. Shit. So talented. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think we are ready to go uh, for our, uh, our big interview. Uh, let me see if I can get um, get a special guest, Jonah Rock, on the line. Um, let's see if this uh, magical thing is going to work with the Skype. Don't botch it, dude. Yeah, right? So much pressure. I may end up editing this out or I may not. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Might be delightful to leave, leave it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see what's up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am tremendously excited to bring you the first official guest of Grown Men Watch This Shit. He is a dude that is just blowing up everywhere right now, a fellow Australian who I am extremely proud of. He's doing awesome things in PWG, in Europe, WXW, Progress. Uh, he is killing it. Proud member of TMDK, proud Australian wrestler. He is the king of monsters. He is Jonah Rock. Welcome to the show, Jonah. What's going on? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm always happy to speak to people about wrestling obviously it's my life it's a huge passion of mine and when we met chris i think it was 2009 maybe dude that's insane i was trying to think of it myself and i was like that doesn't that sounds too long ago but was that like yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think 2009 pwa queensland it would have been yeah um obviously uh 
I, I gravitate towards those people that have sort of a different view and look on wrestling. And you've you obviously have that, Chris. So I'm happy to have a talk with you and Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, you said you you've been you're passionate about wrestling. You love talking about wrestling. Uh, before we get on the air, you actually said you're going to be popping over to do a little bit of training later. So you're imparting your wisdom as well. How long have you been actually helping training other guys? Uh, it's been about three years now that I've been uh, coaching people in Adelaide of South Australia. Um, it's something I like to do as well. Usually when I travel domestically within Australia, I'll take seminars in other states. Uh, recently, when I was in the UK, I did a few seminars as well. Um, the way I was trained in wrestling uh, by a guy called Hartley Jackson, who's not as well known um, worldwide, but definitely in Australia. He was trained by Antonio Inoki. So okay. he had, yeah, he had a, a hard way of uh, coming up in the business. And I like to try and impart those things that I've learned from him my time in Japan with Progressing Noah and other things that I've picked up along the way and try and help people out. So I like to think that from the Anoki training, when you meet people, you just like slap them really hard in the face. Is that right? <laughs> it is a sign of respect. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Jag Hartley Jackson, uh, such a, a huge influence in Australian wrestling. Um, you know, he's actually doing, is he still doing the awesome stuff in, um, in zero one over there? Is he, staying over there at the moment he is. Yeah, yeah he is so he's, he's full-time contracted to zero one at the moment um he's been there for the past couple of years and during those two years he's also done some guest coaching at the performance center with wwe yeah i heard about um, that yeah so so he's still imparting his knowledge onto people worldwide which is great uh, but yeah zero one is where he is full-time at the moment yeah yeah cool um so yeah obviously you take the the wrestle rampage uh, are you like one of the the head trainers there now in in jag's absence i am yeah so i'm the head coach now so it's myself and um someone you'd be familiar with aj istria i am um, fellow head coach and then we have some assistant coaches as well yeah that's cool yeah i've always heard um amazing things uh, about the wrestle rampage school i mean when it comes to australian wrestling like there's a few spots that have really great training systems and, and just put out a great product. I mean, Wrestle Rampage probably got to be the, the top one down in, in Adelaide. Um, obviously, the Melbourne City Wrestling's doing really well here that they're opening up a, a school themselves yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Robbie, Robbie Eagles um, doing really great with uh, PWA in Sydney right now. I'm really looking forward to that um, that that big show that they're they're putting on at uh, Max Watts coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be um, beating the life out of Robbie Eagle. So <laughs> should be fun. good. I'm, good. Glad, I'm glad to see he's doing successful as well. Obviously, he's he's come over and done some of the PWGs shows that I've been on. So it's it's good to see fellow wrestlers doing well. Yeah, it's, it's so. So good. So for the people like who listen to the show that maybe aren't too familiar with your guys' actually Australian scene, is it pretty fruitful? Like, is it you guys got a lot of shows going on every weekend, or is it something where like bigger shows hit and miss, or how's it going down there? Well, at the moment, I think we're we're starting to um, be in a transitional period. So I feel like Australia's always been a little bit behind uh, the rest of the independent wrestling world, uh, where you've had some. Some states, because everything's so far away as well, 
for, for me to get to the nearest state, for me to go to Melbourne to drive would take 10 hours. So I have to be flown everywhere. Again, that creates um, different, you know, diff different people can afford different things. Sure. So it makes it hard for Australian wrestlers to get around the whole scene unless you become notable and, and then you're able to do that. Um, but I think it was a bit of a smaller scene for a while. Uh, people forget that in the 60s and the 70s, Australian wrestling was huge. Dude. So it, it was enormous. It was Sunday. like the most successful territory yeah. in the world. Like it was the, the big money place for like all these was guys. Was it Barnett running down there? Yeah, yeah, Jim Barnett. That's right. Yeah. You had Andre, Andre the Giant, um, Abdul the Butcher, all these guys coming Killer over here Carl to make Cox. money. Yep. Um, but since then, as soon as as soon as Australian wrestling lost TV, I think that's when it sort of went down. Uh, there was a, a bit of a spark during the Attitude Era. I know when Hartley Jackson that we mentioned uh, was wrestling around that time, 99, 2000, 2001, the shows were drawing around 2,000 people. So it was mm. actually doing pretty well. Um, but now I think with with the current state of independent wrestling and video on demand content, I think Australian wrestling is starting to get that push. And, and obviously with a lot more Australian wrestlers going overseas and getting noticed, I think hopefully we'll one day be able to be similar to a scene that UK has at the moment. Yeah, is, I was going to really say, bad. like even, even what you just said, in a lot of ways it mirrors the UK scene where it was such a huge thing in the, the TV days. And we were just talking about this on the last show about how, how yeah. much that world of sport um, product just like carried everything and, and there was so many places for to work and so many shows and all that. And then when they lost the TV show, um, it, it just entered a really dark period and then that scene only really came back. I mean, it was kind of similar to what you're saying. Early 2000s, there was that bit of a, a, a hot time with um, your, your guys like um, Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm and, and that kind of thing. Um, but then it's only really yeah. been the, the last couple of years since, um, you know, Progress and, and ICW over there and Rev Pro, and it's just, like, blown up like crazy, which, you know, by for all accounts, like, I, I really hope the same thing happens over here. Yeah, I'm hoping so. If, if you look at the, um, obviously, international fans that might be listening to this, uh, if, if you go and watch some Melbourne City wrestling or, Wrestle Rampage or PWA, EPW as well, which is from Perth. Mm. They do have on-demand content on Vimeo. Um, if you watch it, the quality of the shows are just as good, in my opinion, to what is in the UK scene or in the USA in the top indies at the moment. It's just that people haven't quite noticed it yet. Yeah, and I think people are starting to. Like that, um, that MCW show that had Okada on it, um, a lot of people, like more people than I'd ever heard of, of watching Australian content, watch that because you know they put it up on New Japan World, um, and I, I think they have stuff up on the the High Spots Network as well. Um, same, I know that um, uh, PWA in Sydney has a, a couple of shows up there too. Um, so yeah, it's very accessible. Definitely just check some stuff out, um, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And I mean, what? How? How better? Uh, um, and an example of the taste of the product can people get than uh, PWG and getting to watch dudes like yourself and, and Robbie and, and Brooksy. Like, you guys are just killing it. It's, I'm so proud to see it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been uh, pretty crazy. Like, someone like myself, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. Um, and I started watching independent wrestling when I was 13 years old. So 
just as I was becoming like a teenager. So my teenage years were influenced by Ring of Honor and PWG. And like, you know, one of the guys I used to watch all the time was Super Dragon. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then he'll, he'll now know, you're like, for him. <laughs> yeah, 15 years later, I'll be working for him and, and, and yeah, wrestling regularly for him. So it's, it's crazy. So yeah, nice. I was uh, lucky there to be there for your debut at PWG, and the crowd definitely took to you. You're on an incredible record there, uh, already in a title match. So, how do you feel about how the PW crowd is taken? PWG crowd is taken to you, and uh, are you loving the states, man? Uh, I, I've been fortunate. I think like um, it, it was one of those things. Like uh, I tried to wherever I go. Like same with PWG, the UK, uh, Japan. I just as soon as I get that platform, I just try to impress as much as possible. Um, Bowler was 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 interesting considering the heat. I, I, I did feel the heat oh, a lot. Dude, like, yeah, <laughs> I was the same. I mean, I'd, obviously, I didn't wrestle over there, but just that yeah, we weekend were dying. was we're so just sitting fucked. There watching, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did make it difficult for you know a three hundred pound plus person to wrestle, but uh, I, I got through that one and. And yeah, I've been I've been lucky to to keep coming back and uh, having great opponents as well. I've been able to wrestle Keith Lee, Jeff oh. Cobb, um, Timothy Thatcher just recently, mm, uh, yeah. and the crowd originally got behind me, and I, I feel now they've sort of turned on me, and I'm a bit of a different genre rock now in the recent PWG. Once you see uh, the most recent DVD come out, Blu-ray, okay. All Star Weekend, you'll see. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or the end of All-Star Weekend, I, I sort of, that, that main event title matches where you'll see me sort of turn into the the general rock. Maybe more fans in Australia are familiar with. I've always yeah, been I was watching your hype video that you say you focus on like murdering and torturing and killing, so understood. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. And I mean, I had to fight Keith Lee and Walter in that match, and there's like over a thousand pounds in the ring at one one time. Yeah, and with those two guys getting the big look from the WWE, that doesn't hurt to be in the ring with those guys by any means. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. And what Walter, especially at the moment, I think he's on the at the moment he might be the hottest thing in independent wrestling. He's an incredible wrestler, but yeah, he's, he's oh, very yeah. Uh, very popular at the moment. And it's like awesome to see a dude like Walter from uh, different uh, people that I've spoken to. A dude that's just like really confident in his abilities too. Like he knows how good he is and, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily, um, you know, need to be going for a lot of these tryouts and things like that. But they come to him. It's just awesome to see that kind of thing where the the power is in the hands of um, the – the people that it deserves to be. Yeah, and I think I think a big thing, um, Walter's sort of I guess similar to some of the Australians as well, is that he he's uh, been wrestling and doing his craft for the past ten years in Germany, and people just haven't been able to see it. Similar to myself, um, and then when people get that little bit of exposure and people can see it, it's just yeah, it's taken off for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I remember like seeing Walter do awesome shit back when he was big Van Walter um, in those early um, <laughs> WXW uh, tournaments uh, back when almost like, was he still on those shows? Like back when Hero and Punk were doing stuff over there? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was around then. He was a bit more chubbier, but <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you could always tell he was good and he's just like gotten better and better and 
I don't know if those chops have gotten harder and harder, but they're pretty bloody scary to see these days. And I think uh, I think they've gotten harder. I, I when I was in WXW, um, I did a like a press conference thing, and they they spoke to me about because um, I recently wrestled Suzuki, and they spoke yeah. to me about like that hard sort of style of wrestling. And I said like on record, I said like Walter has the hardest chops I've ever taken. I'm like much harder than Suzuki's, much harder than Kensuke. I'm like he has the hardest chops I've ever taken. Yeah, how can I ask? Did you, you? I don't think you ever got to work Kobashi and Noah, did you? No. So he okay. was on his way out when I first got there in 2013. Yeah. Um, I got to spend time with him in the dojo, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, Kobashi is my my all time favorite wrestler. So um, he was the first person I met when I got to Japan. So, so for cool. the first time in my life, starstruck. Um, I can definitely understand that. I mean, it's bloody Kobashi. (laughs) So nuts. Yeah. But I was there for uh, his retirement show. So uh, So I got to be there and watch that live. And I was like, getting to experience like a sold out Budokan Hall, like that's a pretty rare thing these days. I mean, I think that was actually the last time that it's um, it's officially happened. Right? I think so. Yeah. I'd say that would be the last one, the final burning show. Yeah, would have been the last one. You spent a good uh, amount of time in Japan. How do you like spending time over there? Did the, the culture shock pretty strong for you, or how did how did you take to it? Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I went before, previously before actually working in Japan. I went there for a holiday um, oh, with okay. some of some friends and my wife, and uh, we were there for like two weeks. So it was always somewhere I wanted to go to experience, and it was somewhere that I always wanted to wrestle as well. Such an amazing um, place. Yeah, incredible. And then when I was able to work for Prosting No Own, I was contracted uh, for them over a few years. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. The only the only downfall was it was it was like um, big stays there. So they they wanted me to stay there for three months, or they wanted me to stay there for four months, and it's sort of hard, uh, you know, with your life back home in Australia, going back and forth. So um, I know I know bigger companies like. New Japan at the moment, which is just, you know, they have the stronghold on Japanese wrestling. Maybe even apart from WWE, just wrestling in general, they're able to afford to send their guys back and forth from home, so they get to spend a little bit more time at home. Hmm. I mean, I guess like pluses and minuses. Like whenever you're over there, I mean, you you kind of want to spend a longer amount of time, but I guess when you're talking about three months, it's like that's kind of the wall to where it's like a little bit even longer than that. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you become, um, you forget about the outside world a bit. Like, so <laughs> I guess wrestling, you know, that is your job. But then sometimes when there's a little bit of downtime for a week or so, and you're just stuck in the dorm or in the dojo, it, it, it gets to your head a little bit. Yeah. I've, um, I've talked to people about that actually, you know, uh, Dingo Cannon. Yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He obviously has been over there a long time. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he, he definitely um, echoed those those sentiments of just, like, how as well, like, the, the, as, as close as you can feel to the, the, the Japanese talent. I mean, I don't know if this is a current thing, but, like, um, they're always being – bit of separation between the the gaijin and and japanese talent no matter how long you've been there for 
Um, I, I, I maybe, maybe I think that might be a bit more of an old school thing. I mm. think there still is. There's always going to be a divide just because that's just how it is. And when you get put into stables and things like that, so uh, for example, I was in, I'm in Team DK and I was with Shane and Mike, so we would have our locker room, and then Brave, like another stable, would have their locker room, and then oh, Kendall wow. would have locker room. So, so yeah, you get put into. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you almost get put into your 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 clicks anyway, and then certain groups ride on certain buses with each other. So you're sort of forced to create a friendship with certain people over others just by the the, the habit of how it is. So. Yeah, huh, that's super interesting. I never knew that about like the actual faction locker rooms. It's like kayfabe yeah, yeah. all the way. All the way. Just <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like at the time, Kenta had no mercy. No yeah. mercy and brave ever be on the same butts they on separate buses yeah so, i'll always remember bill watts would be proud bill watts would be very proud yeah like the old memphis <laughs> memphis motherfuckers of having the heel and baby face locker room and meeting for the first time in the ring fuck yeah man <laughs> they always, they always did that and they'd have um even like your blue and red corner when you get into the ring you know the the, the hill factions would be in the blue corner faces in the in the red so they kept everything sort of separate I mean, it makes it easier, you know, what to do a little bit more. Hmm. But the weird thing about, um, you know, Japanese wrestling is even though they do have heel factions or, or face factions, no one's really a heel, I don't hmm. feel, anymore. <laughs> like, everyone gets huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely yeah, get that really, vibe. There's not many heel heels these days, period. Like, no real dastardly son of a bitch. It's like, the only guy... Who kind of comes off that way is Sammy Callahan at this time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. And I think what he does at the moment is great. Like I, I really great. like stuff at the moment. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those things. Like uh, bad guys are just cool. And you know, ever since NWO, Stone Cold, and stuff. Like, yeah, bad guys are the cool guys. So it's hard to to be a heel and not be cool. I guess. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I guess you walk that line pretty well. I mean, from like the Australian stuff that I've seen you do in in um, MCW to like what you, the more of the stuff of recent that you're talking about in PWG um, mm. to where you actually like people want to cheer you because like you're fucking awesome, um, but yeah, like you're being thing. able to turn that on its head um, and and actually getting that that legitimate heat like it's got to be like a nonstop challenge. Yeah, I think I think you have to know your crowd as well. Um, MCW was a big one. I, I was obviously the big heel, and then they just kept cheering me, and it makes it real hard to try and try and put over someone else as a big baby face. Um, so usually, I think I think companies should listen to the crowd as well. I know in Adelaide the same thing happened, so they they just turned me, and I became the big. Still the same. I'm still the same wrestler. I'm just beating up the bad guys now. Hmm. So, um, but I think yeah, you have to know your crowd, and I know PWG, and I know I get more heat if I, you know, uh, lock on a chin lock in <laughs> <laughs> my match, and not do some certain moves, and people are like, ah, oh, this guy, you know, they might call me boring, they might do stuff like that, but I know that's going to create genuine heat. Yeah, and like when you have that confidence in yourself to where you don't necessarily need to try to be placating the fans with that style, you can like do your own thing and 
get the reactions that you actually want to. Yeah, exactly. I always, I always try to be something different on the show, and I, I still, I love PWG and some of the, some of the guys you watch, especially most recently. Speaking of Robbie Eagles, him and Bandito. Oh, dude! The, um, I heard about Richard that. Austin. Yeah, they had an incredible match, and um, to make you know, to make myself different on the show, me and Thatcher just, you know, we brawled and beat each other up. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna see it. Do, do the things that they do, but it's something different. Well, I mean, that's like the magic of PWG, isn't it? Like, for the longest time, a lot of people kind of have these misconceptions about PWG, about it just being like the spot monkey place or whatever. Um, but, I mean, it's always been about the contrast, and we talked about this on one of our other shows as well, about how you do have that crazy like, Young Buck-style match, and then um, you'll have a match with a dude like Timothy Thatcher, um, or, or yourself, or, or Walter, or Zack Sabre Jr., where you're just, like, telling a, a awesome fucking story that looks, like, legit as all fuck. Yeah, I think contrast is the biggest thing for them. Even even if you go back to, like, early early PWG, you still had guys like Samoa Joe and stuff. Mm, but, like Danielson? Uh, Danielson, yeah. So it's always been a, a good contrast of wrestling, and I love wrestling, there. it's great. Yeah. Well, speaking of PWG, do you have any Legion Larry interaction stories, or have you been <laughs> smart enough to steer clear of him? I think everyone has an interaction story with Legion Larry. He's usually just grumpy most times I see him, so <laughs> um, I try to just respect what the man says to do. You know. Understood. Uh, I was, last time I was there, I had uh, some T-shirts delivered, um, so they came from New York, and they usually. Uh, go to Excalibur's house. He brings them to the venue, um, but they got delivered to the hall. The Legion. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm I like, am for this shit. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. So FedEx <laughs> got there, and he didn't open the door. He was there. He just didn't answer. That's <laughs> Larry. <laughs> yeah. And then, so oh. FedEx contacted um, the guy that did my shirts, and then we're trying to figure out if I could go to the to the depot to pick up my shirts. But then they ended up doing a second round near the area, so they dropped them off in the afternoon, and he accepted them. And then, yeah, just <laughs> when I got to the venue, he wasn't happy. He's like, "No, you're not allowed to have a t-shirt." Venue. <laughs> He's like, "How long have you known Super Dragon?" And I. <laughs> He knows you're not supposed to have this done here, and he was—he wasn't very happy about it. Oh but I got man, awesome! That is the so best. Let me ask you: How did you first get into the states? Did you start sending tapes over? Did somebody say, "Man, this Jonah Rock guy has got to get over here," and they put in a good word for you? How'd that go about? Um, uh, I, I don't think it's any. Um, I think it's out there. I think people know that uh, me and Zack Sabre Jr. are very good friends. Uh, so we we uh, trained together in the Noah Dojo. Yeah, lived, lived with each other in bunk beds. He was a top bunk, I was a bottom bunk. So That's adorable. Get, yeah, you get to know someone really, really well when you live like that. Um, so he was doing great things in PWG, and uh, each year when Bowler comes around, they always look for for new talent. They look for something different. And he was the one that actually put me forward and said, you should get Jonah. He also put Walter forward as well, because he's good friends with Walter. So and that's how 
uh, Super Dragon contacted us. Man, that's so cool. I mean, getting a, a referral basically from a dude that I'm pretty sure most people would count him, him among like the five best wrestlers in the world, and he's like putting you over. Like, that's awesome. Um, and and like, it, it's legit as well because like he knows like the guys that would um, would work well in front of that audience and those dudes that that wouldn't. And he was right. The bull was your first foray into the states. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was, Holy that, shit, that's incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah. People don't realize people are like, oh, so you've been here for other smaller independent promotions and stuff like that. I was like, nope, Bull was the first one. So wow. It's, it's good, uh, Welcome to USA Wrestling, I think. Yeah, I mean that was no, that sure. was a big part of um, the reason that because I, I actually got to go over to that um, bowler as well, and that was the first time I'd actually got to see PWG live, and I've always been wanting to. So Jonah might be the reason why this show exists. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Jonah, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, and I—that that's where we initially met that um, yeah. bowler. Um, Thanks, Jonah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> what an appropriate first guest to have, the guy that brought it all together inadvertently. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Um, I was very lucky. Like, it's it's a weird thing with, with Zach um, because we were at the dojo from, you know, 2013 until 2015. Um, I always knew Zach was an incredible wrestler, incredible person, but then to come these years later and he's one of the best in the world it's a weird thing to to, to see that but he's, he's doing great yeah and oh, for real. He's, constantly, he's constantly opening doors for other people i think he's a big reason why the uk scene is so popular at the moment when he first did bowler um that so many people got to see that style of wrestling again that they haven't seen in a long time and i think it put eyes onto the uk scene for sure yeah. And, and he's one of those guys that took that the slow down pace and using it as a heel tremendously in in PWG because everyone loved him and they just slowly turned on him. He he just was okay. smart enough to turn that on them. You know what I mean? It's it's really brilliant. Yeah, Zach's a tremendous talent. Uh, one of the greatest matches I ever saw in PWG was him versus Pentagon uh, for Bola. And uh, wow, if you if you personally haven't seen that match, Jonah, you definitely need to check it out. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. Period. Yeah, I have I have seen it. It was great. Yeah. It was great. Yes, yeah, sir. I think Zach's very smart uh, with wrestling. He knows what to do again in in, in what certain places, uh, how it works, and then he also knows when to sort of leave and go to another scene as well and help out another scene. And then mm. uh, he's doing right now. I know he's he's still doing his New Japan stuff, but he's back in the UK scene a bit where he hadn't been in the past few years because he was busy with the States and Japan. So it's good to see. Yeah, man. I was um, raving on the last show. I was like checking out a bit of uh, RevPro. Um, just how awesome um, Zach's been as the, the, the champion for RevPro for like that last, like it was almost like a, a five, six month run with it towards the end of last year up till he dropped it in um, New Orleans. And like everything, mm. it was almost like the closest thing I've seen to um, – like Danielson's run with the ROH title where it's just like he brings out a complete different side of all of his opponents and has like a different match like based on on their strengths because he's just so flexible in that awesome to see yeah um yeah man it like the the whole thing of like 
you're coming so far. Like the whole reason I wanted to have on you on the show basically was because of like this crazy exciting time that has got to be in your career. Like you've been doing it for so long and then just in this past 12 months, just like everything blowing up. Like it's, I mean, between the PWG, that Europe trip, WXW, working that New Japan tour in Australia, like it's, it's got to be pretty insane for you that, you know, working so long, and then just like everything all at once. I mean, does it feel like that or what? Uh, it does. It does a little bit. Like I, I have had like a, a real incredible run in the last year, so uh, I'm very happy and and lucky at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's been something I've been working hard for. Like um, as I said, with with the dojo that I run here, like I'm, I've been constantly training and and trying to learn as much as I can about wrestling for the past 10 years. Um, and I'm glad that it's all starting to sort of pay off. Uh, and I'm just, you know, trying to, trying to keep that momentum going and trying to keep doing good things in wrestling. Yeah, man. I mean, it's great to see like when it happens to the good guys, cause it's like you meet a lot of people, um, in wrestling and, and in Australian wrestling. Um, you know, not to say people are bad or whatever, but it's like, there's certain people we just <laughs> connect with and they're just like, awesome dudes and then to see the good things happen to the awesome dudes is like so much more fulfilling kind of thing oh, well, i can imagine you. for you for nick and seeing nick and shane uh, their their progression like that must be for you personally kind of make you proud you know what i mean yeah definitely definitely um i've always uh, like in life in general and not not just wrestling i've always tried to be the nicest person i can be and I, I think it, it does help when, when you are like that in a, in a business like wrestling, when you do start to succeed, people are genuinely happy for you. Cause I know there are people that aren't the nicest people and I've met them and then they start to do good things and it's hard to be happy for them. Mm. Um, but uh, Shane, yeah, Sh Shane and, and Nick obviously are, are just doing great. And they had a little bit of a, you know, a hiccup in their, in their career in NXT at the moment, but I think they're, back on track to do good things now especially yeah. with uh, the, the way they bring them as well yeah because i mean people might not know but um shane haste and mikey nichols had a awesome run in in Noah sorry as i use well. the nxt names i use the nxt names <laughs> <laughs> i go by both names both but... work but yeah i mean they really started it all for tmdk and noah working right up from the the, the dojo stuff um as, as almost like um guys and young boys to to like winning those um heavyweight tag titles and just doing so much good stuff there i mean definitely worth going oh, back and checking okay. out some of those matches i just realized that tmd mdk the torter murder murder destroy kills man i'm an idiot i did not put that together just till literally just now Oh, it, it's also the Marty Don't Kneel. So, I mean, I guess it's... Yeah, small I know. That's the one I knew, but I just literally just put it together. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why I said it. Just use those little, you know, those letters. Um, but, yeah, Shane and Mike have been doing great things in wrestling for a long time, and they did the hard yards. They were in the States as well for, for quite a while. I think Mike lived there maybe for almost two years before he got... Um, before him and Shane got the Noah gig to go and be Young Boys, mm. um, but then yeah, they worked all the way up from Young Boy to becoming the tag team champions together, and they had some great matches against Segura and Tanaka that I think are like still 
some of the best tag matches I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, Dengar so and Yankees. Yeah, if you can find those matches online anywhere, which is hard to find, I know, or however you source it, <laughs> I would say to, find, I'd say to watch them. They also won um, Tokyo Sports Tag Team of the Year in 2015, I believe. And they were the first Gaijin tag team to do that since Stan Hansen and Vader in 1990. So. What an awesome stat. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm proud to say I do have that match on a on a hard drive somewhere. By the way, <laughs> yeah, love me some Danga so, and Yankees. Let's get some backstory on your guys' relationship. Did you when you met Chris? Was he wrestling at the time? <laughs> uh, yes, he was. So the I believe the first time I met you was was um, it was a weekend of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember who I wrestled first night but the second night was me and my old tagging partner elliot sexton at sex rock against you and your quotation brother <laughs> josh my brother brother josh the the famed uh bright bright young baby faces the hayes brothers <laughs> oh so you, you had a gift you had a gimmick brother i didn't know that that's awesome yeah Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, that was like, um, yeah, like way back in 2009, something like that, um, at like the Bray Park PCYC or something. PCYC, yeah, I remember it. Hilarious. I remember it well. I think um, there was a bunch of us like uh, from Adelaide there at that show. I think there was about five of us were brought over for those that weekend of wrestling, so I believe that was the first time I met you, Chris. And Dude, then, you have a good I, memory. That's impressive. I mean, from myself, I mean, not wrestling anymore from the amount of um, concussions and shit, I guess. Uh, I, I'm happy to see that you have a better memory than I do. <laughs> I've, I've tried to, like, um, especially with wrestling, I have, like, weird, like, I can remember things that happened in wrestling or even even in, you know, WWE or or like old Japanese wrestling, and then I can't remember things in everyday life. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, this <laughs> is hilarious because this is a, a constant um, point of struggle in uh, Courtney and I's relationship. <laughs> in that I shall often say, how do you remember like these stats about um, Luthes and Don Leo Jonathan, but you can't remember like my middle name? <laughs> it is yeah i mean i can remember a middle name that's like a bad you know reference but there are a lot of things that i'll forget on a day-to-day basis but it's it's you're right it's weird sometimes like wrestling you just it's it's a different area of your brain or something i don't know those things have always always stuck in my mind I've, i've told people before as well um like my earliest memory of life is watching wrestling which to mm-hmm. some people was really sad, <laughs> but to me, that, that, you know, someone that loves pro wrestling, it's a cool thing. Uh, the yeah. earliest memory of my life is watching um, Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania two in a cage. Oh, wow! So, Hell yeah, dude! I was there as a kid. Wow! So there you go. Shit! No way! Yeah, that's the very first event I ever went to. My I got dragged there, so that's how I fell in love with wrestling. Huh. Holy crap! I I was it's insane I because of. Uh, the big football players had two tall Jones in the fridge, man. Those guys were way over with me as a little kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just because um, something like that, WrestleMania 2, or maybe it was the cage or someone as big as King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan because they're, they're such big personalities. Like, it's hard not to 
have that etched in your in your memory you know yeah mine's a little bit similar and it's similar because it's the, the the big guys like my first memory of wrestling it was like because we didn't have wwf on tv in australia till like 98 but there was some weird yep. thing where they had some daytime wrestling on for a brief time in like the mid 90s or something um maybe in like that sports hour or i don't know what it was but i have this distinct memory of seeing hacksaw jim duggan wrestle yokozuna and hacksaw jim duggan like hit him with his two by four and i was just like my mind was blown like just because there's a sumo <laughs> wrestling this like american dude with a flag and he hit him with a piece of wood and i'm like what is this magical world and then i, I didn't get to reconnect with it until um maybe like 98 when um got into it with uh wcw and when wwf got on tv and all that kind of deal but yeah, weird. those things stick out in people's minds like so many times when i i speak to um people about wrestling and like well, what was the earliest thing you remember or watch it's always something like that something like oh i remember kane coming out and fire blasting or it's those big things that people remember it's crazy yeah, yeah as a kid i remember this yokozuna of course this big japanese man and at the time not realizing he was yelling samoa directly at the camera yeah. <laughs> <laughs> samoa like, oh is that what is that a japanese word for <laughs> I love that yeah, as well. Really, like it's I, wrestling. Uh, some Samoan will pass fine for a Japanese guy. I don't know. Did they ever explain that or what? They never did. They never said like they never straight up said Yokozuna is Samoan. I don't think. I think it was always saying he was Japanese. Yeah, but yeah, they never they never went out to say that. And that was even for me. It was more confusing. I, I'm yeah. I'm half Samoan myself. So being a kid watching Yokozuna, I was like, oh, he looks sort of like me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you take up sumo. Cousin angle. Are, are you by chance with the cousin of the Rock? You know, Jonah Rock. My, they seem to hire a lot of his cousins. So I want to try to work that angle. I wish. I wish yeah. I was out of that family. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, like so. On that um, first trip over for to to PWG. Another real funny thing, we actually like bumped into one another at the airport in Brisbane. So where yes, I was flying out of, I'm like, what the hell are you doing at this airport? I guess it was a, a convenient flight or whatever. Um, so weird, there's coincidences. But then um, I was really stoked when I heard that um, you got to, you and, um, and Walter got to train um, with Josh Barnett. Uh, with the, right, the, the yeah. catch wrestling stuff, because um, I'm like super passionate about the, the catch wrestling stuff and just nerdy about it with like Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson and Yoshiaki Fujiwara, yeah. all that kind of shit. Um, so yeah, it's like that's such a cool thing to do. I mean, can you tell us much about that experience? Yeah, uh, again, uh, just um, sort of luck, I guess. Like that was one of the biggest things I took away from the weekend, even though I just competed in bowler which is a huge huge deal um uh, uh josh barnett had invited jeff cobb to come out and train uh and cobb just so happened to ask me and walter knowing that we like that sort of style of training and we both you know do that stuff back home uh, and we were lucky to go and train with josh barnett for a few hours and he was 
he's a real, really cool person, like a really nice guy. Um, he knows a lot about pro wrestling and obviously he knows even more about catch wrestling and, and submission wrestling, um, being trained by Billy Robinson. Uh, but he pretty much for, for a good few hours, we, we did a training session with him where we could incorporate those catch things into our pro wrestling, um, similar so stuff, that, you know, he, he wrestles. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very lucky. I knew that, um, AJ Astria back home would have been. Good <laughs> <laughs> love to have done it. I think. I think for some reason, like Queensland wrestling, especially, has a little bit of a hub with like the guys that like the catch stuff. Obviously, yourself, Istria, Rufio, um, yeah. some of the guys down there training in that style. Uh, and I think it's something as well in in the world of wrestling today is going to start to become more uh, prevalent when you see people wrestle that people use that shoot style of things in their matches. I know I, I don't always do it, but I, I definitely use techniques during my match to, to get me to where I want to go towards the end of the match by using those things. Cause you know, I think it's a big part of wrestling that sometimes gets lost. Mm -hmm. uh, the shoot style, but uh, uh, you know, an art form you don't see as much, but now with guys like Walter or, or all of ring camp, Zach, Matt Riddle, you have a lot of these shoot style guys doing great things. Uh, it's only going to get more popular. And for, for me at the moment, I think uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world is uh, Hideki Suzuki. Oh, man. I was about to bring up Hideki Suzuki when you me mentioned Josh Barnett. Because do you remember that amazing match that um, Josh Barnett and Hideki Suzuki had on one of those Inoki New Year's Eve shows? It's like an MMA oh, show. Yeah. And then these guys just came out and had like the best shoot style pro wrestling match. And like I, I think Moro was even doing the commentary for it and they were just yeah and they just put it over like like they just went from um you know announcing an mma fight and then even like the old um whoever the the guy that was doing the commentary with moro whoever it was um who's just an mma guy you could tell he was like so fucking impressed by these pro wrestlers just going out there and doing this but yeah hideki suzuki man more people need to know how good that guy is yeah, I think like um, I'm a, obviously everyone in the world probably uh, at the moment who's interested in wrestling is a huge fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, but I'm starting to feel because it is such a monopoly and a stronghold on that market, um, people are forgetting about the other companies that are in Japan that still mm. have incredible wrestlers. And yeah. someone like Hideki who's doing like great things at the moment. He had yeah, the big Japan. BJ yeah, like uh, people are forgetting about it, but yeah, incredible watching it again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so much good stuff going on there. I mean, from Big Japan to All Japan to like Noah is still putting on like a awesome product. I just watched like a fantastic um, Keno versus Nakajima match uh, that just like blew my mind. Like there's, there's so much great stuff just outside of um, the world of New Japan. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, getting back to, like, that um, kind of shoot-style revival in wrestling, it's, like, a really interesting thing. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe just thought it was, like, this thing that was in vogue a couple of years ago when Timothy Thatcher and Drew Gulak and that were um, sort of setting that up. But I think even bigger than that, it's just, like, that cyclical tendency in wrestling where people, you know, some stuff's in vogue or whatever, but you're always going to get back to that, that legitimate base of the art form which is yeah. like well that's, that's that's how it all started it was that's what pro wrestling was it was catch wrestling and then yeah i mean you, you know, watch back like um people got matches 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but both me and Matt or me and Chris, we both went to the Matt Riddle Bloodsport show, which uh, some of the fans gave it gave it hit and miss reviews. But I I was a fan of the show. Do you think like that style of show can be something that runs repeatedly, or is it like a few and far between, um, maybe just Mania weekend? I think because it is uh, like shoot style wrestling is a niche product at the moment. I don't think it can be run regularly. Maybe sure. a few times a year. I know um, I competed in WXW's tournament they do each year called Ambition. Ambition. Yeah, I was going to bring that up too. Like that's a great example of an annual tournament um, where that crowd uh, just reacts so well to it and it's just such a fresh, different style, much shorter kind of matches. Um, I know it didn't go too long, but I was a big fan of your match um, against uh, Bailey in the opening round of that one. Very fun. What the hell? Well. You beat the shit out of Bailey, dude? That's a the little lady? <laughs> <laughs> those, things, those things are interesting as well. The thing I like about um, Ambition in, in, in particular, like I thought Bloodsport was very entertaining uh, for what it was, but I, I really like to see the guys um, Ambition does well by getting talent that do have backgrounds in different martial arts and then putting them in that shoot style setting mm-hmm. uh, makes for a better show rather yeah. than just uh, having wrestlers or wrestlers that haven't done that before and then trying to mimic it i think it, it always works better if someone has a background in something and then you guys can just go out there and basically fight yeah i mean oh, it's... Sure. that's probably why the best match on the card was riddle and suzuki so yeah, I yeah. mean, people forget like just the amount of training that it takes to do that style, like in an authentic way. Like in the, you know, the glory days of shoot style wrestling with UWFI and Pancrase and like the original UWF and and all that kind of stuff rings. Um, like those guys uh, trained with like you know Carl Gotch and stuff like that for a really long time. I remember hearing the stories about like the Gaijins that would go over like um little guido and uh, some of those other dudes where they'd actually have to train in florida like for months before they'd actually come over to do a tour and, and do that style yeah i know two of the guys who you're familiar with obviously aj istra and um robbie hart as well from adelaide actually went to uh yuki shikawa yeah and trained with ishikawa with tim thatcher as well for three months so istria alone i think is maybe the only person in australia that does the shoe style uh credibility mm. um a lot of people that do submission wrestling but not fantastic so yeah i think if you want to be good at that sort of style you have to definitely train in it yeah and then we were saying like on one of the other shows there's a real um line where you can see through like the dudes that do that you know pro wrestling technical style but then you can see that like legit uh, version of submission wrestling and it's such a stark difference yes yeah, yeah. Mm. just little little pieces and i think that's always good as well like um in any facet of wrestling uh you know you have nowadays every i think i like to think most independent wrestlers or most wrestlers in the world at the moment get little bits and pieces from all different types of wrestling like i know myself i'm very much what I learned in Noah, that's sort of the way that I wrestle, so that King's Road style, but I incorporate some catch wrestling thing, and then I still do, you know, a frog splash as a, as a finish, and sometimes I do a moonsault and things like that, 
Um, but I think, yeah, the best way to be is to sort of learn every style and then pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the magic of wrestling, right? You anyone that says there's one way of doing things, it's like a million different ways of doing doing things and you, you learn whatever works best for you and whatever works best for that particular match, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so good. Yeah, I think um, like Istria and some of those Queensland guys get, um, they benefit from, have you heard of uh, Chris Foster? Yes, yeah. I've met him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Foster is a, a trainer up here um, that uh, has a, a background, uh, like great background in, in catch wrestling. You can pick the dude's brain for like so long. Um and and yeah, Rufio and and Istria and, and a bunch of other dudes got the opportunity to to train with him. And um, yeah, it's any opportunity you get to learn from someone like that is is an awesome thing. Yeah, I would say that um, obviously coaching wrestlers here in Adelaide, I, I try to show them a bunch of different things. But I say like the best way to be is when you get an opportunity to learn from someone, you just try and learn. Um, obviously coming up I learned from a bunch of different of the great like Australian wrestlers guys like Hartley Jackson Mikey Nichols Shane Hayes uh, Slater Davis Storm but then when I was able to go to Japan I, I got trained by the guys in Japan and, and I spent a lot of time in Marifuji and Kenta and um, them giving me advice and then even while I was there I got to do sessions uh, in the ring with Super Crazy and Lucha hmm. uh, then obviously Living with Zach, we would roll around all the time and I'd learn different British technique from Zach. So I just say the best way to be is just to be a sponge and try and get as, as much information in as possible. So good. Yeah, man. I, I think that um, attitude is, is definitely a, a big part of um, getting that kind of success. And, and the dudes that have had that success going overseas, like you're saying, like your, um, your Adam Brooks and your, your Robbie Eagles, they're all dudes that just want to take on take as much on board as they as they can definitely they're taking their step into the states and such so who are some other guys like you know brooksy and and rob eagles who maybe are just on the edge down in australia or maybe some guys you're training next that you think who's next Uh, for me not to put you two on the spot (laughs) (laughs) for me personally someone that i'd like to see do more in in the in the uh maybe the independent scene in the u.s he did get a shot with WWE. Is Damian Slater? He yeah. was in the cruiserweight class, um, but he was only in that in that first round when the match in Tajiri. And I don't think uh, enough people were actually able to see how incredible a wrestler he is. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I think he's someone that should be out there definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I he mean, got to do a bit of stuff in Japan um, with with zero one, but like he he's so talented, he he should be on a much higher level of, of showcase than where he's at. And one of the cool things is, in, I mean, people might not have gotten it from the Cruiserweight Classic, but if you you see a lot of his um his work uh, in Australia, like the the stuff for MCW and and like his heel kind of work, like dude can actually be like a pretty entertaining, colorful um, character as well. He may be one of the smoothest wrestlers I've ever wrestled as well. He's just, uh, he's, he's, uh, everything he does is almost perfection, hmm. bump-wise. Everything he does wrestling-wise, he's, he's got it down to a T. Apart from him, there's two other names. One one that uh, obviously trains with me, and that's AJ Istria. 
I think his style of wrestling, as we were talking about with the shoot wrestling and stuff, he does it so well that I think um, abroad he could do really well because people, you know, don't know of him. So mm. if you were to go into the UK scene or the US scene and he could do those things, I, I think it's because it is a niche, um, just like a Timothy Thatcher or Walter or something like that, he would do well. And the third person that I think is on the cusp, especially after the match last year with Okada, is Slex. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That's a great selection. There's somebody that's sitting down saying, oh, fuck, you didn't mention me. All right, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably probably a few, actually, that uh, I should mention my other Team DK members, of course. (laughs) Marcus Pitt and uh, Elliot Sexton as well. There you go. Great <laughs> I can't make them, or they'll be angry at me. All very talented dudes. Um, yeah, especially like Slex. Slex is a good one because a lot of people at home, um, very easy. You can just tune in. It's, I, I imagine that match is still up on New Japan World with him and Okada. Um, I was lucky enough to be there for that that match, and that was just so great. And more so than, you know, obviously Okada's awesome. Um, but uh, Slex looked so good in there with him. Yeah, he also recently had a match um, at MCW with Pete Dunne as well, which is really good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, more people need to check out um, MCW. They put on some some really good stuff. And uh, getting back to Ash, um, AJ Istria, um, that dude is very talented and, like you're saying, one of the best at that um, shoot style in Australia. And it's almost like I feel bad for him sometimes because the guys that he's working aren't necessarily attuned to that style as well. There's only so much that you can do, you know, when you're playing it one way. So I think he'd look be awesome in uh, the UK scene where a lot of those guys have that sort of basis to what they do. Yeah. I, I think to him, I said, I think he would really flourish um, even in WW. Yeah. Being able to wrestle those sort of guys that have have a base and a background and a knowledge of it as well. Um, and one match I've been wanting to see for a long time is, is AJ Isher versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, and it man. hasn't happened. <laughs> I'm hoping it happens. But I know Zack um, is coming over for the International Assault Tours, um, but it's not happening this tour that's coming up. But I'm hoping in the future it happens. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. I mean, I really hope he gets another um, tour of Noah. Um yeah. I'm sorry he got the, the last one and I checked out a lot of his matches and a lot of him doing the, the young boy on the outside thing, opening the gate and holding the barricade and all that kind of shtick. Um, but yeah, I think if he can sort of get up to that next level and, and start to get to work those um, competitive matches with some of those, that awesome talent that, that Noah's got on their roster, um, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I, I think. I think I think it would be great. Actually, there there is another uh, tag team that I will say this is a, a, as a tag team that I think could do well. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention. Uh, street gang hooligans out of uh, Perth. So, uh, wrestler called Alex Kingston and Logan Gray. They're a tag team, and they just do some incredible high flying stuff. That you know, when you when you're exposed to the world of wrestling, to see something new is always incredible. And I've seen them do some things that I've never seen before. So I think that would be great. Nice. Actually, I haven't got to see those guys, so I'm, uh, I'll be excited to yeah. check them out. Yeah, look them up. Um, Logan Gray, uh, he was uh, – I was in Perth 
and uh, someone said to me, oh, you should see this thing, and I, and I watched it, and he does a, a swanton, like he goes out like he's going to do a swanton, and then he goes into a 450. So yeah. <laughs> I can't even picture that. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen, yeah, some of the stuff he can do, and, and Kingston, his, his counterpart, his tag partner, does things like he's, uh, you know, he used to ride a skateboard, so he comes to the ring with a skateboard, and he'll skateboard and, like, drop kick people off of the skateboard and do things like that. Like, it's just crazy. Nice. So good. Um, yeah, that's that actually brings me on to, like, a thing. A lot of those guys that you just mentioned, obviously, TMDK guys. But TMDK, I mean, <laughs> between yourself and, um, you know, Mikey and and um, Shane and, and then going on to dudes like Marcus Pitt and, and Slater and everybody, um, I mean, it's been such a great... Uh, springboard for you guys is is that sort of a, an important basis for what TMDK is like of, of good guys to come together and, and be a springboard for one another or how do you look at it um well uh Shane and Mike are the ones that started it it started out as them it's just a tag team um and then they brought Marcus Pitt on board and they were like a trio in in Perth and then uh, what Shane and Mike wanted to do was sort of bring guys that were, on, you know, at the time in 2012-ish when I joined, um, the guys that were joining were guys that wanted to break out and, you know, become something. So I think what Shane and Mike tried to do was create this brand of wrestlers that are all trying to become as good as possible. So he almost they almost wanted to do like the elite of Australia and, and try and have this this group where all around Australia there's people that are involved in Team DK and those are the guys that are, you know, pushing to be in the main event or pushing to get overseas. So um, it was really cool. Like I, I was happy when I when I joined. I joined right after Marcus Pitt, and then it was Sexton, and then Slex joined and he went over to Nora as well. Um, and then I think they put Hartley Jackson in there because he just deserved it. <laughs> He's been around for so long, yeah. And then um, uh, Slater was the last one. So I think it's a good group of people. And uh, a lot of the guys have broken up and done different things now. Um, but I think everyone still, every now and again, will mention, you know, Team DK, I'm part of this. But there's mm. still something that's special between all of us. So. Yeah, I remember I first when I first got onto um, TMDK after just um, Shane and Mikey when it started becoming more of a bigger collective of just awesome talent. I always remember the quality of you guys' um, promos and video stuff was just like way better than like anyone else uh, going in terms of releasing video content at the time on the scene. Uh, was that yeah. thanks to Elliot Sexton? I know he yeah got, he's still got some awesome Sexton. video stuff going at the moment. Does, yeah, he's always been uh, a little bit ahead of the curve with that stuff. So yeah, we were releasing videos as Sex Rock and then as Team Decay when no one else really had like those sort of things on YouTube, especially in Australian wrestling. Mm. Um, so we were trying to create content and stuff like that, and it, it, a lot of that was, was him. And then even just the branding of things visually with Shane and Mike with like the logo, and then getting out different T-shirts every month and things that other independent wrestlers in Australia weren't doing. I know pe other people worldwide were definitely doing it, but I think we were sort of the first to start, you know, really branding ourselves as something so that people can, can, can you know, support it more. And 
the more that you see people walking around in Team PK shirts and stuff like that, the bigger it got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sex is still doing great stuff with videos now. His Trophy Life series, hmm. it just finished season two, um, is incredible. And there's lots of like features in this season as well of international guys. Yeah, so good. Yeah, they're, they're getting up everywhere. I'm seeing them like um, linked in like the, the Wrestling Observer Daily Update and shit. Like he's, he's doing well yeah, with they- them. <laughs> yeah, he is. Awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, like, uh, I mean, finishing up, like, obviously, there's a, a, a lot of Australians, you've sort of been one of the main ones, like, doing awesome stuff overseas. Um, you know, my buddy Mark Davis doing awesome stuff in the, the UK scene. Oh. Uh, I was really stoked to to um, hear that you guys got to work again. When like the last time I saw you guys wrestle a singles match was up here at like the the tribal theater. Was that where the last yeah, time you guys worked? It was, yeah. The last time was the, was the tribal theater, and um, I had fun in that match. But again, yeah, it's one of those things no one will ever get to see. So it, it was cool to be able to wrestle each other again. We wrestled each other in a tag match. So I got to do. Um, Is that for a tag? Got to wrestle Aussie. No, so Fight Club Pro Wrestling, Club myself Pro, yeah. and myself and Travis Banks got the team for the first time ever. Um, and we wrestled Aussie Open. And then Attack, I wrestled Davis okay. uh, in a single match, which was, which was really cool. And I got to spend some time with him as well while I was there. I went to Wolverhampton where he's living and, and spent a, w- a week and a half or so there with him as well. So it was really good. He's doing really well. And oh, yeah. I think he's one to watch as well. Obviously, his tag partner Kyle as well is incredible, but I've always had a soft spot for Mark Davis. Always, I think uh, most too. people do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you either love him or you hate him, and I love him. I hate him. I hate him. I that <laughs> I don't know how you can't like this big heavyweight that can do like incredible things. So yeah, great. So good. Yeah, I saw an awesome match at uh, RevPro, him, uh, Aussie Open versus uh, Chosen Bros. That was a really tremendous match. Yeah, actually, yeah, all four of those guys are incredible. So I haven't seen that yet. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, man, that whole show's boss. We, we kind of gave it a bit of a review on the last um, last episode. Um, awesome main with, with Ishii and, um, and Keith. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so good. Also, yeah. man, I, I just watched your singles match with um, Keith Lee at um, All-Star Weekend, last year's one. Dude. Yeah. Just, that is what a Hoss fight should be. Fucking love that. <laughs> Keith, Keith is a, he's a very uh, interesting wrestler. I think he's, he's incredible at what he does, but for how big he is, some of the things that he can do, uh, uh, there's not many other heavyweights that can do it, but I always try to... You know, I think I can do similar things to what he does. So it was a good clash of styles, I think. Yeah, man. So yeah. good. And working at PWG now, you have like basically almost a chance to work with anybody you really want to over a period of time. Is there anybody still that you are pressing as far as dream uh, match? I know it's a cliche I mean, for question, me, the but... dangling carrot's got to be the big singles match with you and Walter in PWG, right? We haven't got that singles match yet. Well, well Walter didn't pin me in the title match. And in I the, recently the three-way. So I think it's de- definitely destined to be me and Walter in a big singles match, which would be very reminiscent of uh, 
all Japan '90s style match. I, I'm, I'm assuming. King's Road uh, all the way, my, baby. My dream match for PWG, which I'm sure is most guys that compete there, dream match is Super Dragon. Oh man, oh, man. I had a feeling that was coming. Shit, <laughs> someone's gonna die in that match. <laughs> The thing is, you know, everyone wants to wrestle Super Dragon, um, but I don't know if he'll ever put the mask back on again, so it's hard to say, but that's that's my dream match to eventually wrestle Super Dragon. Oh, that's what dream dude. matches are all about, man. They don't necessarily have to come true. Exactly, so. yeah. My dream match outside of PWG, a match that I've always wanted since the start of my career is Samoa Joe. So I'm hoping Fuck yeah. one, one day... Dude, I could I could see that happening. So good. I I always thought that awesome um like Hashimoto Enziguri kick that you do uh yes so much like like Joe's one back in the day and obviously Hashimoto fucking every time I see that I pop so good. It's the timing of it and everything. It's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I'm very much. I'm very, he's a he's a big uh inspiration for what i've done as a teenager i watched so much samoa joe and then apart from that it's it's the guys like uh hashimoto the big big inspiration my wrestling you'll see that i do the kick like that i do a ddt i do a brain buster mm. um and and then it's the kabashi masala kawada tawe yeah those four on four that guys. um i was meaning to ask was like the in, in like the dojo training in noah was like the, the the training in like the you know what has become the the successor to the King's Road style. Like, was it what you expected from that, or was it kind of different in in the modern day Noah version? Um, I still think it was very similar. They still impart a lot of they're still in that um, the way that Masao trained is still sort of the way that they do it. I think maybe it's changing a little bit more now with the guys that they have contracted. They have a lot of guys that came from Osaka Pro um, and maybe some of the smaller junior guys have progressed to heavyweight. So the style is a little bit different. It's a bit more junior based. Uh, but when I was first there, it was very much still that King's Road style. And um, uh, Tanaguchi was head of training at the time. And if you watch him wrestle, he's very much heavyweight, that yeah, style of wrestler. Tanaguchi is very um, underrated. He had a real fun um, series of matches with, Go Shiyazaki like a, a year ago, something around that. Yeah. Dude's very good. Yeah, he's really good, and like he was um, in the army for for like uh, amateur wrestling and stuff. So like the way that he trained, you know, lots of squats, sit ups, all that sort of stuff. Like uh, it definitely gets you fit, and it's <laughs> definitely strict way of training. That's cool, man. Yeah, as, as in vogue as like the New Japan uh, strong style is, uh, for me, it'll always be King's Road. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a fan of both. I'm, I'm a big fan of both. And I, and I think, um, to be honest, the, the best person at the moment doing the, the the proper way that New Japan strong style was intended, I think, is Zach. And he's, you know, he's a British boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, the last match that I saw from New Japan that I really felt had that was, like, um, Yuji Nagata and Shibata when they had that really sweet feud a little while yeah. back. Um, but apart yeah, from that, Shibata, it's... Shibata definitely was that mm. that next, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but, like, second coming of Inoki style. 
Yeah. Where at any point he could finish you, whether it's with a strike or with a submission. And I think that's what Zach's been able to do recently. So it's cool to see. Yeah, definitely. So cool to see Zach um, in that this year's um, New Japan Cup, like just actually winning it like, and then main eventing yeah. the um, Sumo Hall against Okada. So nuts. And maybe doing some of my uh, favorite promos of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> him and um, him and Taka. Taka, such a good um, <laughs> good promo man himself. Jeez. Yeah, incredible. But just, you know, some of the things he said, you know, they make me laugh. And I was like, that's eh, what it's, it's good. Like him talking about his head, not being able to wear caps because he has a peanut head and, and you know, Naito can. Like that stuff is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarrely hilarious, but just like perfect <laughs> for Japanese wrestling. It is, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, man, before we get out of here, Jonah, tell us, like, all your social media stuff, where can people get you, yeah, where can people book get the you, plugs, get you the need plugs. shirt designs. Hey, we need to get, yes. are you on Pro Wrestling Tees yet? Not yet. So oh, this, we need yeah, to help you do that. Yeah, hit me up, I can help you with the shirt design. Uh, all we, all we, I do uh, all Cobbs, I do all Jeffs. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, you can get me at Jonah underscore Rock on Twitter. Uh, same with uh, Instagram, and then it's uh, Jonah Rock Pro Res on Facebook. I have Jonah Rock Big Cartel for all merchandise needs. Um, but the Aaron, big thing, get on that. You have some awesome tea designs right now. Actually, I've I bought that um that sweet Godzilla themed one that you put out a little while back. You got some rad shit. I, I need to see those on Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping soon. So the the thing with pro wrestling tees is you have to have so much of a following on uh, your social media. So I think I'm like maybe 200 people away from getting a pro wrestling tees store. So follow me on those yeah. social media. Everyone, follow this pro- man. Yeah, I have way too many followers, so I will use my followers to get you followers. Please, please do. Because the big thing that I have is when I'm in the States or when I'm uh, overseas in the UK and stuff, it just costs people a lot of money to get it shipped from Australia to those places. So if I had a protein tea store, it would help me out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, um, finishing up, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Hey, super appreciate I've really enjoyed this chat as well. We don't necessarily want to be a you know question-answer, question-answer type of deal, so... I've uh, I've loved yeah. that it's just been able to be a nice uh, nice conversation, dude. It's been great to reconnect. Yeah, it's been great. Like I said, I enjoy talking about wrestling, and when I can talk to other people that are like minded and and have different views on wrestling and have seen like a bunch of different things, it always makes for a fun conversation. Definitely. Yeah, man. 100%. Well, we both really appreciate it. Man. We all love wrestling, and I'm sure everybody out there listening to this also has a bizarre fascination with wrestling so always always great to to chat the shit about the weird obscure and the dumbness. Just passion of wrestling the dumbness yeah yeah hashtag dumbness guys <laughs> <laughs> all right um thanks so much man uh everyone stay tuned to what this man's doing um i'm sure it's just going to keep getting bigger and better from here um and yeah i i can't wait to see what uh next is going to happen in pwg and have you got more stuff coming up in europe 
I might. So at, at this stage, I always wait until things are fully confirmed, and then yes. if you follow the, the me on Twitter or Instagram, you'll see things get announced. Um, but I actually have like uh, quite a few things popping up in Australia. Like I was saying, the Australian scene starting to get a bit more vibrant. So I'm wrestling Nick Aldis next month for the NWA World Championship. Um, How is that happening? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just bizarre? Yeah. You're wrestling for uh, Luthez's title. Yeah, it's insane. It's something that's definitely on my bucket list, so I'm going to be able to tick that one off. Um, and then, yeah, so we have more tours here, like the International Assault Tour. I'll be doing all four states. So I'll be busy here for the next couple of months, but I'll still be around the world as well. Yeah, so for all of our Australian <laughs> listeners as well, please um, come out, support the local scene, Let's all work together to um to make this the the next best next big thing, um and yeah international assault, damn man it, it's so good to see um so many uh, internationals being used, um and and I hope that going forward that they can be used in a way that that can help spotlight the awesome Australian talent that we actually have here more than just um you know internationals for the sake of internationals kind of thing. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Best of luck to you, Jonah. Yeah, best of luck. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Keep on killing it, bro. All right. Thank you so much, man. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, just done in uh, wrapping this baby up. I want to, of course, give a shout out to our, um, our, our podcasting network, the great guys over at Social Suplex. We've got the. Uh, One Nation Radio show hosted by Rich Lardo. We've got Keeping It Strong Style hosted by Jeremy and my boy Josh Smith. Uh, we've got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, the Outsiders Edge uh, Show hosted by Rance and Carl, and the Wrestling Wash hosted by Bathtub Caleb Conwin. You can check all of that awesome stuff out at the home base over at socialsuplex.com. Uh, check out what's going on. The guys put a lot of great um, content together. And, uh, yeah, keep on listening to us. Uh, I, uh, I'm i Chris. Again, check me out on the Instagram if you'd like. That's Chris Things. Uh, Jeremy, where are you at? Uh, I am at James Vanderbeek, J-A-I-M-S Vanderbeek, on both Instagram and the Twitter machine. So hit me up if you need a T-shirt design, anybody. Just let me know. Yeah, awesome. All right, uh, and again, you can check us out every two weeks, dropping on Wednesdays in America and Thursdays in Australia. We may be slightly later on today's episode because of all of the things. Uh, but yes, anyway, yes, yes. thank you so much, guys. Much appreciated. Uh, let's we'll, we'll see you next time. Peace and love. Peace. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.